Pastor Xavier Reese says, in sickness and in health, to God be the glory. When Jesus heard it, he says, the sickness is not unto death, for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He declared the sickness was not unto death, not that he would not die. Lazarus was already dead, most likely. He declares that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He would know what to do. Love always does. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Just as Jesus said that a man born blind wasn't on account of sin, but rather that the works of God would be manifest, now, just two chapters later in John's Gospel, we see how the glory of God gets manifest even through death. And as Pastor Xavier brings us the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, we'll see that the reason for Lazarus's sickness was ultimately that the glory of God was revealed. So here's Pastor Xavier with the text for today's Simple Truth. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44, and I've entitled the message, Jesus, the Resurrection and the Life. We come to the final sign that John has chosen by the leading of the Holy Spirit in order that people might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing, they might have life in his name. Namely, the sign is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Now, the key person is not Lazarus, as much as you may think, <laughs> but Jesus. And the theme of the chapter is not that Lazarus was raised, but that Jesus is the resurrection of the life who raised Lazarus from the dead. Whenever you have Jesus in a chapter, he's the person people are looking at. <laughs> the other are insignificant. The fact that Jesus is the resurrection of the life is marked by three things in our text. Let me give them to you, and then I'm going to read the text. First of all, his deity was veiled by his humanity. He knew all things, verse 1 through 16. Then secondly, his humanity was indwelled by his deity. He knew men's weaknesses, verse 17 down to 37. And then thirdly, his messiahship was both human and divine. He knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead, verses 38 through 44. Now, let me read the text. It's lengthy, so bear with me, but I think it's important that you hear it all in one reading. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and the sister, her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. His disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, 
Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go to, that I may waken him up. Then his disciples says, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not come yet into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, following her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came there, Jesus was and, uh, was and saw him, uh, fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved them. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. 
The fact that Jesus is the resurrection and the life is marked, first of all, by his deity. His deity was veiled by his humanity, yet he knew all things. Verse 1 through 16. Notice first, verse 1 through 3, John's introductory commentary. Remember, he is writing 60 years after the fact. He has a lot of time to look, to review, and he makes commentary often in his gospel, as you have read it. In verse 1 and 2, he identifies the three main persons of the story. Lazarus, who was mentioned for the first time in John, who was sick at Bethany. Then you have Mary and Martha, who are his sisters, and he is brother to them. Verse 1 and 2 also declares that. But also, verse 2, he identifies Mary with a special event. Mary anointed the Lord with fragrant oil. Now, this does not take place yet until chapter 12. But remember, John is writing with hindsight, and he abridges and he makes commentary. And you find that in chapter 12, verse 3. She also wiped his feet with her hair. Keep that in mind. In verse 3, he shows the purpose of their sending a message to Jesus. Lazarus was severely sick, evident by two things. First, three times the word sick appears in the first three verses, and it is mentioned one more time in verse 6. The message stands in the backdrop of Jewish antagonism, hatred, and a plot to kill him. We're going to find this out when we get to verse 7 and 8. So I want you to understand the backdrop. All that is going on. But notice also, the Lord loved Lazarus. It says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. He would know what to do. Love always does. There needed no other message to be sent. There was no need for pleading. When someone loves you, you don't have to plead. When someone loves you, you can just send a general message and that information will cause them to respond appropriately. Notice secondly in verse 4 through 6 that Jesus responded to the message when Jesus heard that he says, The sickness is not unto death, for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, he declared the sickness was not unto death, not that he would not die. So understand that. Mark it well. Lazarus was already dead, most likely. When he gets back, we'll find out later on in verse 17 that he had already been dead four days when he got there. Uh, from uh, Bethany down to Bethabara, where he was, that's one day journey. So give the servant one day, then he tarried two days, that's three, and one day to travel, that's four. That means when the servant left, Lazarus had died or immediately after that. And yet he says it's not unto death. He declares that the sickness was for the glory of God, and also he declares that the glory would be that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, the disciples don't know all this. They just are hearing what he's telling them. They think Lazarus is just sick. The words of John are for the sake 
of not misunderstanding the actions of Jesus in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. The word there is agapeo or agapao from agape. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Lazarus. So that no one would misunderstand what Jesus was doing or going to do. There are many times when we misunderstand the Lord because we have things figured out differently. We have the mind of the disciples, only partial information, and he has all of the information. And so we run into conflict with God. Notice in verse 6 that the will of Jesus is declared. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. To remain two more days in the place where he was with the disciples, that doesn't sound very loving, does it? Why? To do the will of the Father. Jesus was never pressured by the circumstance or situation. Jesus is never intimidated by the lack of information on those who he is working on behalf of or by the information that people hold regarding the situation. He is the master of every situation. Nothing escapes him. Notice thirdly in verse 7 through 11 that Jesus reveals his plan for, for, uh, to his disciples. In verse 7, he declares to his disciples his desire to return to Judea again, where he knew he was sought out by the Jews. Let us go to Judea again. The reference to again is that last visit in the Feast of Dedication in chapter 10, verse 31 and 39 and 40, where it says they tried to stone him and they tried to lay hands on him, and he, he fled. In verse 8, his disciples were astonished that he would want to return to Judea. Listen to him. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, teacher, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? See, what God does doesn't make sense to us all the time. The word lately means now at the actual present time. In other words, there were other attempts besides the last ones that we just mentioned in chapter 10. They were constantly after him. The decision would place him in danger. They knew that. But he was not thinking of himself. He was thinking of Lazarus. He was thinking of the disciples. Notice in verse 9 through 11, he declares his safety for their sake, for their peace of mind. Jesus answers, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day and does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not marked in him. Okay? He's talking about a disciple. He's talking about a Christian in him. Jesus is actually telling them in verse 9, the beginning there, that his hour had not yet come. And he's using the figurative language of 12 hours to mean this. Now, we've run across it many times, right? My hour's not yet come. His hour's not yet come. Well, this is exactly what he's talking about, but he's not using those words. Jesus knew that there was a sufficient amount of time that the Father had given him to accomplish certain works. And he could not be taken before that time. And he's using the figurative language of hours in the day. He's saying there's still daylight. 
He was right on schedule. Let me, let me read you chapter 9, verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day and the night is coming when no man can work. Jesus tells him again that he is the light of the world in the end of verse 9 and verse 10, which affirms what we read in chapter 8, verse 12, I'm the light of the world. Chapter 9, verse 5, I'm the light of the world. And then in chapter 12, verse 35 and 36, he's going to say to them, a little while longer the light is with you, speaking of himself. What while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you? He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So he tells them, don't worry. I am in control. Now notice verse 11. He declares to his disciples his plans to go to Lazarus. And these things he said, after he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him up. Notice Jesus calls Lazarus our friend, once again revealing his friendship and relationship to him as well as they. Abraham is the only one who is called a friend of God in the Old Testament. It's mentioned three times, I believe, in the New Testament. Interesting, John the Baptist says, I am the friend of the bridegroom. John the Baptist calls himself a friend of Jesus. And everybody called Jesus a friend of sinners, Luke tells us. <laughs> now, the word friend here is in reference to one who's committed, one who's dependable, one who's trustworthy. Not as we know today, fair-weather friends. Now, notice that Jesus told him that he slept and he was going to awaken him, right? Sounds good to the disciples so far. Everything's right on schedule. But notice verse 12 through 16. Fourthly here, Jesus reveals the true condition of Lazarus. Now, you've got to listen to these words with the backdrop of all the information he's given to them, okay? You must enter into that dialogue, having the information we have just read. Verse 12, his disciples thought that sleep would help him to get well. Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. <laughs> you know, our parents, our kids are saying, oh, just crawl in bed, sleep it off. You'll be okay. Verse 13, John's commentary shows and reveals the misunderstanding of the disciples. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Two different directions. Oh, how often the Lord says, we're going this way, X, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking I'm going this way. Totally different. Jesus plainly tells them that Lazarus is dead. The word means openly or unreserved without any mystery, straight forward. Now, notice in verse 15, Jesus declares that he was glad that he was not with Lazarus. Now, all the information, they knew the messenger came, they knew Jesus made a decision to tarry two more days. All of a sudden, Jesus lets the cat out of the bag. He's dead. Dead? In the mind, why'd you tarry? Two days? And now, weigh these words out. Verse 15. 
And I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go with him. Hmm. We've been following this guy almost three and a half years. Thomas shines here. <laughs> Most commentators don't believe he does. Most commentators paint him here as a pessimist as he is portrayed throughout the scriptures, always doubting. Then Thomas, who is called Didymus. By the way, Didymus is twin. You know whose twin he is? Yours and mine. <laughs> he said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, most commentators would have you to read it this way. Let us go that we may die with him. Almost like saying, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it from the beginning. It just wasn't going to work out. Too good. It just seemed too good. No. I think that Thomas here shined, and he showed great courage because he loved Jesus. Even as Peter says, though all forsake you, I will never forsake you. I choose to believe in I could be mistaken, but allow me that liberty. I choose to believe that Thomas shine here. He says, let's go that we may die with him. Who, him? Lazarus? No, the backdrop is the Jews are after Jesus. And they know if we go back, we're dead ducks. He says, hey, I'm committed. Whoa, that's good. This is while the others are saying, what kind of guy is this? Gets the message two days, he tarries? Hmm, Interesting. The deity of Jesus was veiled by his humanity, yet he knew all things. Secondly, his humanity was indwelled by his deity. Jesus is presented by John as one who comes to be informed that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Though he's God, he's informed. Martha goes to meet Jesus. Martha was impulsive and one who would always take the lead, as recorded in Luke's gospel, while Mary was more calm and passive. Remember Luke 10, 38 through 42, where Martha was busy around the kitchen cooking up bagels or whatever, and, and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. In verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Nothing has changed, right? Then notice in verse 21, Martha declares her disappointment with Jesus. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But notice also that in verse 22, Martha yet declares her faith in him even at this point. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you in hope. But there's hope and, and disappointment mixed. I am so glad that Jesus, because of his humanity, he can identify with my emotions, my wrong thinking, my bad assessment of things. Though people may judge me and think critical of me and cannot understand why I would even do or say or respond such a way, after all that God has done in my life, Jesus patiently just looks on and says, I can understand. I know what you're going through. He's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Well, on that note, we need to draw to a close our time for today. 
And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And Pastor Xavier has so much more to share on this beloved story of Lazarus on our next program. I hope you'll have a chance to hear the conclusion next time. You know, the title of today's study is Jesus, the Resurrection, and the Life, and is available for anyone who contacts us. In fact, everything we heard today and what we have planned for next time as well is included on a single CD, and we'd be happy to pass one along to you for just $4. Ask for it by name, Jesus, the Resurrection, and the Life. Or mention today's date, and we'd be happy to get one sent right out to you. You can address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, let us know the call letters of the station you hear us on. That enables us to track where our radio outreach has been a ministry to our listening friends. And thank you for your help. Next time, Pastor Xavier shows us how the bondage of death wasn't enough to keep a dead man down. And it won't be enough for anyone else who believes either. That's on the next Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com